the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I... Hello! The Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Hyman. You crying? You play ball like a girl! Are you crying? And first pitch crushing! No crying? There's no crying in baseball! Now, key to being a big league pitcher, I'm Teddy Powers! Just a bit outside. Warm up. You're going in. The three off. That ball was crushed. Readiness? Wow. That was ridiculous. Recuperation? What the fuck here? Conditioning? Yikes! I guess there's only one thing left to do. It's that win the whole fucking thing. You make sure they remember the night they played the Titans. Be cool. Go Titans. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Hyman. And if you are uh, not a brand new listener you notice something new about today's episode. So uh, brand new intro brought to you by Coach Bowie Olson and podcast Mike, Mike Samaha. Um, thank you to those guys for uh, for creating the first ever intro to the TCP. So um, I tell you, it pays to, uh, to have great friends, man. So um, I was talking with Coach Bowie a couple weeks ago uh, and him and Podcast Mike do a podcast called I Love Scotch, which is a phenomenal podcast. I know they're bringing it back. Um, God, I don't know. They started this thing back in during COVID, and, man, they ran with it. And I can't remember how many episodes they got up to, but, you know, then life happens, and, and you take a little break. But Mike moved down here, and uh, him and Bowie are firing the podcast back up. But they are what I consider professional podcasters. I'm an amateur. Um, but in talking to Bowie, I said, hey, uh, man, it'd be nice if I knew how to do an intro. And uh, a week later, we get done lifting weights, and he's like, hey, Hyman, come here, check this out. So, you know, I go to his, go to his vehicle, and he just starts playing this intro. And him and Mike uh, created an intro for me. So just appreciate you guys. Thanks for doing that. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. That will be our new intro moving forward. Um, and I would encourage you, if you have not listened to the I Love Scotch podcast, go check it out, man. Go subscribe to it. Go listen. I think they do an episode a week or they're trying to do an episode every couple weeks moving forward. Um, it's light. It's laughable. I mean, it's an awesome podcast. I think the most recent episode they did was like ranking <laughs> ranking Christmas movies or, or something like that, but it's good stuff. Um, and I, I know they'd appreciate your support and you'll thank me later for listening. Cause it is fantastic. So thanks to those guys for, for making that happen for me. They're what, you know, again, they're what I call professional podcasters. Like they've got the graphics, they edit their uh, episodes, you know, they, they don't just record and hit publish. Like you go back in, remove the, uh, remove the background music, like, or background noise, you know, change the vocals. They do a lot of good stuff. I wish I knew how to do that. I just, I don't, uh, and I'm probably not going to learn because I got enough on my plate anyways, but um, those guys are great. So thank y'all. We are um, rocking and rolling with season two, man. So this uh, episode a week thing has been working really well. It gives me an opportunity to release an episode on Monday and also have the following episode recorded so we can re release that one uh, the following week. That's been a nice system. Um, this fall so far, well, I say fall, this is technically the fall for our baseball program, but um, we put a focus on this Build Better series. So within this series, we've talked about uh, building better hitters, you know, building better culture, building better outfielders, building better base runners. Uh, we've done a lot of a lot as far as that goes. And today, in episode five of the Build Better series, we're talking about practice. In the words of AI, we're talking about practice. Um, and practice is a big thing, man. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids come into it. Oh, we got practice today, man. We got the, you know, we got weightlifting. We got practice. We got practice. Everybody loves to play. I love as the coach. As a coach, I love to play. Um, it's 
my favorite thing to do on game day. Um, that's all I'm really focused on, man. It's just like, man, we've been working our tail off to, to get to this point, you know, <laughs> checking the forecast frantically, making sure that, you know, it's not going to get canceled or you no know, rain's going to pop up. I mean, that's just normal, but, um, you can make practice something everybody looks forward to, but it requires some work and it requires some, some being intentional on your part as a leader to make it an environment where people can thrive and get better and all that. So uh, today's episode is going to be titled uh, Building Better Practices. Uh, and yes, we're talking about practice, um, but that's where we're at. So kind of before we jump into that, we, we've talked a little bit about where we've been as far as, you know, building better culture, building better hitters, building better um outfielders building better base runners a lot of it is baseball specific um i'm a high school baseball coach it's what i know um but these things can translate across different sports especially when you start talking about things like today building better practices uh things like when we talked about building better culture a few weeks ago um i understand it's a transformational coaching podcast it's not the baseball transformational coach podcast but yeah i am going to make an effort to try to make it more coaching specific like across multiple sports can't guarantee it but that it'll end up that way we certainly will keep sprinkling these episodes in that maybe attract a a larger audience outside of just baseball people um but anyway so i lost my train of thought there where i was going with that oh well uh i digress we push forward um, if, if Bowie and Mike were doing this, they would like edit this part out and then re-record at the point where I totally lost my train of thought, but I don't know how to do that. So we're just going to push forward and I'm definitely not stopping and re-recording. Okay. Um, so anyways, uh, where was I? Feel better. Okay. Yes. Where we're heading. So, um, I love it when I like catch back up to what my thought process was. So anyways, um, We've talked about where we're going. So where we're heading, all right, we're we're entering a very important part of the year, all right, and this is, in fact, t- today's August 20th, the day that I'm recording this episode, which will be released on August 28th, all right, so when this episode comes out, it will have officially been the first weekend of college football, um, and it really ramps up this weekend, or Two weeks from now for me, by the time you're listening to this, the Gamecocks will play this upcoming Saturday. Um, so, you know, college football season is important around these parts. Um, for me, fantasy football season is very big. So I uh, run a couple leagues and been doing that a long time. So which what we may see is a uh, we're going to try to continue on the one week, one episode a week uh, path. We're probably going to slightly pivot off of the Build Better series, though um here coming up um there's a one episode that i really want to do i want to bring somebody on to talk about building better pitchers um somebody on about building better infielders and building better catchers i might get like coach allison to step in and do build our talk about our building better infielders um episode maybe coach brian brown to come in and talk about building better pitchers but uh leadership is a big thing we want to talk about too and I am going to bring Coach Bowie Olson on sometime, maybe next week, maybe the following week, to talk about building better leaders. Um, he is a GM for Progressive Alloy. There, I'll let him talk about all that stuff when he comes on. But that's kind of where we're heading. We've got building better catchers, building better infielders, and building better leaders are kind of the last three of the Build Better series that I want to do. Uh, and once we've done that, we will go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out what we're going to do for the remainder of the fall as far as, you know, episodes go and what direction we want to go in. So that's where we're at. Um, and then when we get into the spring, we'll really ramp it back up again as far as, you know, making sure we, we have our weekly episodes and all that come out. But uh, anyway, so let's dive into today's episode. Um, we're talking about practice, building better practices. And uh, just a brief intro to that. Just, you know, I think... Uh, Most kids, they don't love practice, obviously. Coaches don't love practice. Parents don't love having to get your kids to practice, whether it's um, t-ball practice, soccer practice, whatever. Like, you know, everybody wants to play. Everybody loves to play. 
Um, the problem is like over time, what you'll find is like, you can't skip the process. You've got to be locked in on doing the little things, right? So when the lights come on, you can get out and execute and you can't get out and execute if you're not working on the things that you need to work on to be a big, to be a great competitor, uh, to be a great player. Um, those, those habits, those, uh, your ability to replicate what you know replicate those good things every day comes from what we do in practice what we do in the weight room what we do in our preparation uh and if we're not training those things in a structured environment it's going to be no wonder or no shock uh when the lights come on that we're not able to do it there uh you often see very quickly and and i've had i've got some examples of some kids over my coaching career who they weren't great practice people they were great gamers um you know, B.J. McLaughlin's one that comes up when I think about, you know, my time coaching him. And I've had, you know, I coached him from the time he was got at Greenwood when he was seven, eight years old. And, you know, then I got him at Southside for a couple of years and was one of his coaches at South for the last couple of years. But, you know, there are some guys like that that you say, you know, you watch them in practice. They don't do... I wouldn't say they, he doesn't have great habits in practice. He does have good habits. But you look at him in practice, you're like, man, I just, we're leaving some meat on the bone there. Like, there's something left there. He's not, sometimes, you know, a kid like that, you know, maybe they don't, they don't do it picture perfect. You know, it's like, okay, mechanically, it's not great. And then the consistency in practice maybe isn't great. But the minute you cut the lights on, that dude's phenomenal, right? And you've got players like that, but I fully believe like even if a guy's not great at practice, he's not great at execution in practice, but he truly is a gamer, like he becomes a gamer through some of those challenges and struggles he has in practice. I think that's that that's a real thing. Whereas if that guy never practices anything, you don't have him in a structured environment every day trying to build skills, trying to build competitiveness, trying to build all those things, you know, you don't have the ability to be a gamer. Um, and then you have other people who just, they're great at practice. They're great at games. You have some people who are great at practice and terrible at games. I can think of a specific, you know, a couple kids specifically now they're like, dude, they're so good at practice and you just want them to like find some success during a game. And, you know, sometimes competition kills people. Sometimes when the lights come on, they shine too bright and, you know, you get tight and you just can't perform. It happens. Um, and that's a whole nother thing. Like, you know, if, if, if that's the case, like as coaches, we've got to be working to build something on the back end mentally or, you know, whatever to try to make sure that that kid is, does have the ability to shine when the lights come on. And, and you know, that brings up a good topic, building better competitors. Yeah. We might have to go down that path of one of the build better series, but anyways, all right. So that's kind of the intro to that. I, I don't even know if I completed my thought there, but if not, it'll be okay. It won't be the last time it happens today. But um, kind of where I want to head with this episode is, and, and again, I preface all this by saying Coach Hyman's way is not the only way. Um, I'm always open to suggestions from other coaches, suggestions from other people about maybe some things that they do that work for them. But for me, this is kind of in my guys, this is kind of my thought process on, you know, the core principles of practice and having great practices and, you know, what we have to do to make sure we set our kids up for success. Um, so I've got five core principles practice wise. Um, we'll go through each one, then we'll go back and break it down. Core principle number one, um, you got to have a plan. All right. Principle number two, your players have to know the plan and they got to know the why. Three, this plan has to have structure and it has to give players ownership over their development. Four, the plan should challenge players daily, mentally, physically, uh, both. It's got to do that. And then five, uh, there has to be boundaries for when something doesn't get executed. So those are the five principles we're going to talk about today. Uh, and then once we get done with that, I'll kind of give you an idea of, you know, for us, and this is baseball specific, but you know, the structure, what we do, uh, why we feel it works for us. And then if you're a coach or a teacher or whatever, a player who 
you think, man, I need, we need to have a good plan for something. You can certainly build plans off of what we do or find ways to, to tweak what you currently do to what we do. Um, this would actually be a really good plug time to plug this in. Um, if you haven't had a chance to like this video, it's one of these corners down here. Smash the like button. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed yet, help us out and hit the subscribe button. Um, it just helps out tremendously. Just for having more having more subscribers is a good thing. It just adds more validity to the content. Um, having the likes on the video pushes it higher up on the search engine optimization stuff. All that stuff helps us continue to grow what we're trying to do. Uh, if we can't get the message in front of people, then, you know, it's, it is what it is. So our YouTube subscriber base has gone up um, by like 15 people in the last couple of weeks. So it's not catching on quite as quick as I thought. The podcast certainly, which we still do the podcast, uh, the podcast viewership like skyrocketed over time. But um, the YouTube channel is relatively new and we're still trying to figure all that out. So one way you can help is like, subscribe, share with a friend. So shameless plug, appreciate your help. So back to the core principles, back to the content. Um, core principles, having great practice. Number one for me is you have to have a game plan. Okay. And that's important. Uh, that's going to look different from coach to coach. Um, and the biggest part of that is like, for me, you know, the game plan is essentially our practice plan. Right. And to have a practice plan, you have to kind of spend some time thinking about how you want to structure your practices. Um, you have to think about within that practice plan, like how is this plan going to help us get to where we want to be? Like everything that we do, we want to do it with the end in mind, you know? So um, for me specifically, like I know what's important for me as a coach. So as I'm building those things into practice and I'm thinking about what our next 20 practices are going to look like i've got to think about where i want us to be at practice five practice 10 practice 15 and practice 20 for a game that's going to be at the end of practice 25 right um you've got to have the end in mind and your daily practice we get our guys five days a week for practice right in the in the spring and then when the games start you know you get them for like three days a week you know, when you're playing games, your practice plan is going to look different than like in the fall and in the early spring when, you know, you're building up and you're getting them ready to compete. You know, once you start games like that structure is going to change because it's going to be much more. The games tell us things we're not great at. It confirms the things that we are good at when we're thinking about the end in mind at that point. Like, OK, the end in mind is how are we going to be the last team standing in May? Okay, well, through our play, these are the areas we're weak at. These are the areas we're good at. So let's make sure we continue to, you know, sharpen the things that we're good at, but spend the majority of our time working on things that we're bad at, right? Um, and that's how that, that structure is going to change through through play and all that. But um, for me, you know, that how we're going to get to where we want to be, it changes depending on where we are in the year. That was the point I wanted to make from that. So. What you can't do when you're coming up with a game plan is just say, okay, day one, you know, this is how I'm going to do things every single day. The structure should never change. The goals within the structure should change sometimes weekly, uh, sometimes monthly. I mean, it should just kind of, it should change on where you are within your season at that given that point in time, what your players are telling you through their play and all that. So. Um, you know, for me, we talk when we talk about structure, you know, I'm a firm believer in a block schedule. Uh, and we'll I'll talk about that later. But uh, I think. Just think that helps you guys out tremendously when you do a block schedule and we'll talk about those ways here in a minute. So um, that's principle number one. You have to have a plan. Don't be the coach. Like, this is not a good plan. Hey, today we're going to stretch, we're going to throw, we're going to take around the infield, and then we're going to take BP and we're going to get out of here. That's not a good plan. And I've been around people who they think that's a good plan. Um, and it's not. I mean, what it tells your kids is, like, practice isn't important. 
it's okay today to take days off from practice. And um, I don't like that because I don't like minimizing the time that we have with kids. I don't ever want somebody to feel like I wasted your time. Like they've got your kids have to look at practice time as valuable. Right. And you cannot make it valuable if uh, you're. I mean, you can't make it valuable to them if you just kind of slap dick around with it and say, and you're just like, oh, yeah, man, we'll just show up, stretch, throw, hit, and we'll head home. That's, that's not good. That screams that's not important. Today's not an important day for you. You should go do something else. All right, sorry. Got off on tangent. So that's kind of my principle number one. You got to have a plan. If you haven't thought about your practice plan, like, you got plenty of time if you're a spring coach to go ahead and start planning on that thing now. Like, okay. Create 20 practice plans. Create your first 20 days of practice. Go ahead and do it. Um, all right, so step two, your players should know the plan, and they should know the why behind the plan. Staggum headset itches my ears, man. But anyways, um, and that's that's huge, man, because we naturally, like our players are just curious people. Um, I'm going to when they're very task oriented, right? Like, so for them, it helps like mentally to be able to check boxes as you go, right? You know, I know like in my business uh, as a pharmaceutical rep, they tell us, give your doctors a number, right? Give them, give them kind of a preview of what's to come. Like, hey doc, I've got two quick points for you. Because subconsciously as a human, when you say I've got two points for you, you're thinking, okay, I'm listening for point one. Now I'm listening for point two. All right, sweet, we're done, right? It's good for the mind. It's good for human beings. We like to have direction and input and checklists. Like, that's how I work, too. It's like, you know, selfishly, I hate to say this, my pastor at church gets a little long-winded sometimes, much like myself. So there are times, you know, he gives out a little, like, checklist of the things he's going to hit. So I'm always listening for the headers, right? You know, if there's eight points on there, I'm like, okay, all right, point number one, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I'm listening. Okay, he said the key words. All right, point number one is done. All right, point number two. I don't say that negatively. I'm just, let's be real. We all have Baptist members, uh, Baptist priests, or God, not Baptist priests, Baptist uh, ministers, pastors. Okay, we all have them. Not all of us, but them Southern Baptist folks get a little long-winded sometimes. Um, kind of like people like me, but um, you know, the point that the checklist helps. So the same thing goes for our kids, right? You know, it's vital in the way we do things is we utilize Google Classroom. We send out a practice plan every single day about lunchtime because it gives our guys an idea of like, what are we doing today? Okay, you need to be really mentally focused when you come out there because the first thing we're doing is this, like. And then also it helps them establish, like, they'll be talking about it amongst each other. Like, man, today, that, um, man, we're doing 21 outs today. Guys, we got to, we got to be focused. We got to get it right. Or we're going to do a lot of running, like, you know, whatever. So, um, it just helps them. They come out of practice already, like understanding, like there is no guessing. It's like, okay, here's what to expect. Bam. Um, you know, for us, like we use a block schedule and, what that's helped us with is it trains them to be really locked in on certain aspects of the game for 15, 20, 30 minutes at a time. And uh, that's the same thing that we're going to do when the games come here. So in a practice environment, we're already setting them up to train, to focus on the things they've got to focus on when competition is. Because a high school baseball game is about a two and a half hour thing. And, you know, we try to break through like things like base two and strike and all those things, which we've talked about in the past on the podcast. And I might talk about again in the future. You know, those are task oriented things that we're trying to accomplish throughout a game that takes a seven inning game and breaks it into like five obtainable goals. Right. So. What if if that's what we're going to ask them to do during competitions, why don't we do that during practice as well? You get them in a task-oriented mindset. You know, you get them in locking everything in for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a time, and then feeling like, okay, part, you know, first step of practice is done. Check, you know, goal, goal, uh, goal obtained, uh, task completed, 
and then they get into a game. It's like, okay, we want to have a big inning. We want to score first. We want to answer back. Like, okay, check the box, task, task completed. It's the same mindset. So um, that's kind of a long way of saying why plans are important for players and how it translates into success once you get into competition. The other thing that is important is the why behind why you're doing what you what you do. Nobody likes to do like aimlessly just do tasks, right? Just do things without understanding the why. So we do spend a lot of time in the fall. We spend a lot of time, you know, not a lot of time, but time in the spring really kind of breaking down, you know, why we're doing what we're about to do, especially in the fall. You know, in Skiza, we get four-man workouts with these guys. So, um, you know, we start in September, you know, we start in September, and September will be very conditioning, base running focused. When we get into October, it'll be very throwing program focused. What's the why behind the throwing program? We want to, you know, increase our arm strength. We want to work on making our mechanics really crisp. Okay, well, why do we want to do that? Well, here's the reasons why. Like, it's important to know that. And then, you know, we'll introduce a lot of drills in the fall that we will utilize in the spring. And during the fall, we'll really break down the why behind why we do these specific drills. You know, the worst thing in the world is doing a drill and you have no idea why you're doing that drill, how it's helping me be a better hitter, how it's helping me be a better fielder, you know, whatever. So spend time with your guys explaining the why. When I do um, outfield play and base running stuff, start everything with giving them the why because then as you're doing it, like it helps them bring back to bring bring everything back to okay that makes sense like okay that's why you made me do that drill because you know there's going to be times as an outfielder when I'm going to have to get a ball in the right field corner and I'm going to have to pick it up with my right hand pivot and throw you know okay okay yeah I did that we did that drill with coach Hyman where we worked on those same movements like all that stuff's important but it, it's it's more important that we establish the why with the players early and continue to hammer home like hey, you know, here's why we do it. And then in game, when situations happen where you replicate that, you know, you replicate something you worked on in practice, you're like, dude, that's why we do that every single day in practice. Just adds value to what you're doing um, and all that. So core principle number two was your players should know the plan and they should know the why. Hopefully that broke that down. Um, core principle number three for me, this plan has to have structure and give players ownership over their development. So um, this is important because, again, we talk about the way the human mind works and the way we work as people. Kids love structure. They may not come out and admit it, but they love structure. They love to be led. Uh, they love all those things. They thrive in those type of environments. The reason some people say, well, oh, man, those kids are unorganized. Well, a lot of times that's because we don't put them in in environments where their structure and their stability and their their day-to-day routine looks the same, right? I blame that on us as adults because we don't do that good enough uh, in school, at home, at practice, uh, in the weight room, like all those other, all those different places like where we have opportunities to create structure in a young man or young woman's life, we really drop the ball as a society. Okay. And what, you know, I I think about like just an average high school kid who maybe doesn't play sports. Okay. Who they get out of school at three o'clock and then they go to bed at nine o'clock and their day to day is going to fluctuate on what they do based on how they feel. Like there is no there's no, okay, I get out of school at 345. I got to be at work at five o'clock. I get off at eight o'clock. When I get home, I'm going to shower, whatever. I'm going to study for 30 minutes. None of that really happens. I mean, it does happen, but it doesn't happen as much as it should happen. Like, and you got people all over the place that are just, you know, all right, today, you know, I'm going to wake up and I don't really have a plan for my day other than I'm going to go to school or I wake up and I'm off today. I don't have a plan on what I'm going to do. Um, you know, that's not when you talk about practice and school and, you know, all this stuff, that's not a good way to be. Um, so, like, for us, for me as a coach, like, it's vital every day. And part of like why we have the practice plan is because it does create structure. But what our guys start noticing, like, 
three, four days in, it's like, okay, this structure is like consistent. Kids love consistency, right? Um, and some people argue with that and they say, ah, coach, that's boring, man. You know, your guys don't get bored with that. I tell people all the time, man, like if you watch our practice for three days, you've pretty much seen what we're going to do. Um, people say, I, it annoys me when people say, man, y'all, the kids are going to get bored. No, they're not. They appreciate it. People who say they're going to get bored, they're not going to like that. They're people who don't like taking the time to create structure and create order and give people a plan. Normally because they're not smart enough to create a plan or they're too lazy to create a plan, right? So kids love structure. They need structure. Um, our world as adults is full of structure. Their day is their day is like just a kid should be full of structure. You know, we have to do better as a, as just a world in general of creating that environment, that environment where we set them up for success through creating good structure and, and f not forcing them to have structure, but really continuing to hammer home the fact of like how important structure is to what they're going to do for the rest of their life. Like I'm working a job, I'm coaching baseball, I'm having to be a dad, a husband, do a podcast, run a fantasy football league. Like, do a lot of different things. Like, I have to have structure, right? It's a Sunday morning right now. I have to be structured and, okay, you got to get up at this time because you got to start recording by this time to be done by this time so you can do, you know, and that's just what become my, what my Sundays have become. You know, my weekdays are very structured. Okay, I've got to get up at this time. I got to do this. I got to do this, this, this. I'm checking boxes the whole way. Um, I learned those things because I, like, had so much structure early on in life, like through practice and, and athletics and school and stuff like that. We just have to do a better job of that. Okay. Um, the second part of this was we got to give players ownership over their development. And what I mean by that is, you know, throughout our practice plan, you'll hear about our practice plan here in a little bit, but you know, throughout that is like built in, uh, you have built in choices throughout that. And what I mean by that is this, there's times in practice where you've got four coaches, but you got five groups and your guys are going to have to take ownership over some aspect of their game in practice. And we do that intentionally. It's not because we could make four groups for four coaches. Um, but part of what we do is it puts it on them to kind of lead the way because there's not always going to be an adult standing around telling you to make good decisions, telling you to get an extra rep, telling you not to dick around or goof off or whatever. We intentionally do that because, you know, if we're doing group work, if we're doing uh, BP and group five is front tossing the cage with no coach or, you know, bunt drills off to the side or whatever, and they get 15 minutes to do that and they don't get any reps in, well, they didn't get any better today. And we didn't, as a result, we didn't get any better as a program. But guess what? The baseball, baseball is going to find you, like the game's going to find you. And it punishes people who don't work hard and don't take care of the little things. Um, so those guys will be asked to do something in game and they won't execute and it'll shut. It's kind of like in the weight room, you know, we're very structured in the weight room, but yeah. 98% of our guys do it right and they work hard, but I know the guys, I know the 2% that aren't doing it. I see them every day. Um, I see the guys skipping reps. I see the guys who, you know, it's, you're supposed to do 10 there and they do seven. We see it. I don't always say anything about it though, because, you know, they have to own their own development at times and they've got to struggle when they don't do what they need to do. And just, it is what it is. But, um, you know, our block schedule is very structured. You know, it's time oriented. When the clock hits, whatever time it hits, and it's time to rotate or do something different, there is no, well, hold on, I, we didn't finish our round. Well, if you didn't finish your round, if everybody didn't get their three rounds or five rounds, that's on you, right? You should have moved faster. You should have done less talking. You should have been more focused. You should have done what you could do in those 15 minutes to maximize your reps instead of doing what you did. So I think, and what I found through doing that is, Early on, you'll notice that guys don't get the amount of reps that you want them to get. Um, but 
then you start seeing a natural shift where you've got one guy in each group who's like, hey, man, come on, we got to stay on task. We got to get this done. Like, you know, I want more reps. That's vital. You know, then that guy's going to start trickling down to another guy. And then eventually the majority of people in each group are going to be, hey, let's keep this thing rolling. We got to get better. We got to get our work in. Hey, you know, yesterday I only got two rounds because y'all were dicking around. Like, I need, I, I want to get four rounds today. Like, that's how it works. And that's how we build ownership. Uh, we give players ownership in their development. Um, we can't always spoon feed it to them. One of the greatest things we can do for them is make them feed it to themselves. Uh, and figure it out on their own. And we do that. And I think your practice plan should have that built into it. Um, so that's that. Um, the number four on the core principles is uh, the plan. This plan should challenge players daily, mentally, physically, sometimes both. Um, should challenge them emotionally sometimes. You know, we think about all the things that, you know, athletics teaches kids from a competition standpoint, you know, the values that, that it instills in them. Um, through hard work and teamwork and just a bunch of different things. But, you know, your plan should challenge those things, should challenge your guys because life's a challenge. This game's a challenge. Um, football's a challenge. Basketball's a challenge. It doesn't matter what sports you're playing. It's a challenge, right? It's a grind, and our guys have to start, and, and females, have to start learning to love that grind if you want to be great. Life is a grind. Okay, so all this stuff translates. Um, so as leaders, we shouldn't be making the path really easy for them because that's when they do get bored, right? Um, we've got to make them experience the ups and downs of life through practice every single day. Not every day is going to be easy, right? Um, we can make it easy for them, and we can move the goalposts, and we can widen home plate, but what's anybody getting from that, right? You know, what is feel-good BP doing for our players? It's not doing anything for them, okay? What's it doing for our guys when, you know, they had a rough day and we let up on them and allow them to be mediocre at practice because they had a tough day at school? Like, it's not – that doesn't help anybody because in the real world, when they get out here, the real world doesn't give a crap that you had a bad day before you showed up to your job. My boss doesn't care if, you know, I got to, you know, well, I mean, that she does, but you know what I'm saying? Like the expectations of me and my job don't change because I've got a massively full schedule every day, right? The expectations of my job that the expectations my company requires of me doesn't change because me and my wife had a disagreement before I walked out of the door. So the same thing holds true for our kids. And we should be trying to build that up every day. Um, we should be trying to challenge the status quo every day, uh, and we shouldn't be giving them a bunch of feel-good stuff every day. That's just my opinion. Some people feel differently about that. Some people say, "Oh man, you gotta you gotta mix in some light days there," um, and that that's fine. On if there's days where you just want to challenge them mentally, and you don't want to challenge them physically, that's okay to build that in. If you want to challenge them physically, but not necessarily challenge them emotionally or mentally it's okay normally what you'll find out though is all those things work hand in hand so um you know it is what it is so got long-winded um but the point about all that is find ways to challenge them you know our bp challenges our guys every single day our base running it challenges our guys every single day the actual act itself doesn't necessarily challenge them but me standing there saying hey bill what foot was that when we round second base? Well, coach, that was my right foot. Okay, well, what foot are we supposed to hit it with? Left foot. All right, hit me a pole then. You know, that challenges them because it's like that's me telling player A, hey, man, your lack of focus there, that hurts us. So you got to do something to – there's going to be a punishment for that. And it is what it is. Like, so – it's easy as a coach sometimes to fall away from that because, again, we have challenging days sometimes. You say, hey, man, you know, had a tough day today. I'm going to take it easy on these guys at practice or I'm not going to be as focused on the, the fine details today. You can't do that. I have to challenge myself every single day. 
timing. You got to challenge these kids these days. When they don't do it right, you got to make sure that they understand they did it wrong and we got to fix it, right? Um, it gets tough as a coach sometimes too because sometimes you get you get tired of feeling like you're constantly challenging somebody, right? I mean, I've had a kid named James McElveen at South who was one of the best kids I ever coached. Um, and James could not get left foot inside corner of the bag, like, down. Like, it was constantly a challenge for him. And, uh, you know, it was like a daily, like, James constantly having to make him, you know, change the way you do things or try to explain it a different way, try to help him understand, like, we're not changing the way we do this. You've got to change the way you approach it. you got to change the way you think about it. Like, you just have to make decisions that you're going to do it. Um, and I remember one time almost folding on that and saying, man, I'm just tired of him feeling like, you know, I'm constantly like on him about it. I just said, finally was like, but he told me, nah, coach, I appreciate that. Like, I need that. And he's a great kid. Like, he's a kid you want to be successful, and he just wasn't getting it. Um, but, you know, my point about all that is, like, you got to challenge them, but you also have to challenge yourself every day as a coach and as a leader. Like, you can't take your foot off the gas because of what's going on around you. You have to continue to push forward because they need it and they appreciate it because it's part of that structure they know what to expect every day. There's no surprises. We owe that to our players. You owe it to yourself to make sure that you're finding ways to challenge and, and do those things. Um, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, you have these losers out here who constantly say things like, well, man, they're going to get bored doing that stuff every day. Guys don't get bored when they're constantly being challenged. They just don't. They may not always like it. Um, but deep down, they appreciate the structure and they will appreciate, like, knowing what is expected every day, the consistency and all that. To the average fan who sits in the bleacher and watches practice, they're going to get bored because they're not being challenged. They're not going through the motions. They're not checking boxes. They're not, you know, used to, like, the structure that we offer. They're going to get bored. Any parent at Trinity that comes and watches our practice is going to get bored. We're going to be like, yeah, like, this is boring. Like, they do the same things over and over and over and over and over again. Like, they harp on the same things all the time. Like, man, they need to spice it up. They need to change it up. At the outside eye, it's very boring. But your kids will appreciate it. And our guys, I know they appreciate it. And a lot of them don't realize they appreciate it till later on. But, um, you got to find ways to challenge. You got to find ways to to do that because again, they appreciate it. And um, without they they would not like it the other way. So, all right. So that's you got to challenge players daily. The fifth and final uh, core principle here is there has to be boundaries when something doesn't get executed. Okay, and. This doesn't mean we need to be Johnny Testosterone yelling, cussing, carrying on with our kids every day when they don't do things right. But this kind of goes back to the challenge piece I said earlier. We have to challenge ourselves as coaches. You have to establish early on that there are repercussions for not doing your job. Okay. And that's not just in practice. I mean, that's in life in general. Like, if we're really trying to build them up as people and players and all these other things you have to keep it as real world as possible and in the real world there's boundaries when you screw up uh if i show up and half-ass my job today and i do that enough i'm gonna get replaced if i show up and i'm a terrible coach and we don't win enough and you know whatever i get replaced okay when you show up every day and you practice and then you don't get the job done on game day eventually you get replaced all right so there is some type of boundary in about everything we do and a repercussion for what we, you know, when we don't do things the right way. So you have to establish that in your practice plan and your guys got to understand like, hey, you know, everything's peaches and cream as long as we do things right. You know, but if we don't get 21 outs, when we do 21 outs, 
there's going to be a punishment. When we don't hit 90% on the bunt circuit, there's going to be a punishment. Um, you know, when we do do it right, there's a reward. Like, you know, I think that's important establishing boundaries and establishing like the fact that, you know, you're expected to execute on your job. You're expected to do things the right way. And if you don't, there's, there's, um, bad things happen. Not bad. I don't say bad things. I don't mean bad things like that. I'm just saying there's repercussions to, to not getting the job done. And there's valuable things that happen when you do get the job done. It is, it is what it is. So, um, I know for me, a few things that I'm like big on as far as, you know, I've talked about this before, left foot inside corner of the bag. If you don't do it right, I immediately stop you. Hey, hit me a pole really quick. And I don't make them go sprint a pole, but I make them inconvenience themselves long enough to where they can think about for 180 feet down and 180 feet back. Like, all right, left foot, left foot, left foot, left foot. And they don't like it. It frustrates them. Gosh, dog it, coach. I did it right nine out of 10 times. You didn't do it right 100% of the time, right? And that's one of those things we can control, right? Normally don't punish people for things that are outside of their control, but if it's a controllable, there's a repercussion. So I would challenge you, establish boundaries, establish a baseline for how you expect people to be. And when you don't get the job done, here's what happens. Because that also makes it easier later in the year um, when somebody's hitting a buck 64 and they're leading the team in strikeouts or whatever um, that, you know, and then they're not playing good defense. It just establishes, hey, man, like there's an expectation here for you to do what you need to do to help us, help yourself. And when you're not getting the job done, there's repercussions. Sometimes that repercussion is your role went from being this big to being this big. doesn't mean you're any less valuable to the team. It just means we got to get somebody in here who can get the job done because at the end of the day, we do all this because we got to get the job done. We got to put the best nine guys out there that give us the best chance to get the job done uh, or whatever. And I totally went off off uh, off script there. But, you know, it is what it is. Establish boundaries because that's the real world, man. Um, whether you're a student, you know, don't study for your test. Guess what? You may get by with it one time making a good grade, winging it. But over the long term, not going to do well. Slap dick around at work, probably going to get replaced. Don't work hard, probably not going to make a lot of money. You know, there's a lot of things that go into, like, as far as the real world goes, where boundaries have to be established. And we're not doing our job as coaches if we're not establishing those boundaries through practice. So, um, by the way, <clears throat> this is a free, free plug for uh, sparkling ice plus caffeine. I prefer the blue raspberry. It's basically like some type of carbonated water or something that has blue raspberry flavoring in it. You can get it from Harris Teeter in Florence. It's phenomenal. I think I got a couple other flavors too, but that's literally like the only thing I drink outside of coffee. Um, so that's that. That's the kind of, that's Coach Hyman's core principles, having a great practice. You got to have a plan. Um, players need to know the plan and the why. Um, plan's got to have structure. It's got to give your players ownership of their development. This plan's got to challenge players daily, and there's got to be boundaries when the job doesn't get done. Those are the five uh, core principles of how we run practice. Again, that doesn't mean that's the only way or it's the right way. It's just the way we do things, and and it's worked out really well for us. So that's that. So I do want to give you kind of an example of what a good practice plan looks like for us. Um, I won't physically put it on the screen, but we'll kind of talk through it. Um, we talked about this principle earlier, the principle earlier we believed in that we've got to train our guys to lock it in for two, two and a half hours. I know Coach Andy Hallett, he's a big fan of the same thing. Um, you look at his practice plans, they're about three hours long. So um, we run our practice plan off of a two-hour and 30-minute block schedule. You won't get it right the first couple times. You'll be a little bit over. Um, you'll start finding, you know, how to like shorten up your delivery on certain things as a coach. You'll find a way to make sure they get the important information. So you, you know, in a 20 minute session, you don't spend 10 minutes of that rambling about stuff that's not important and taking away from reps. You'll figure all that stuff out. Um, if you're not a block schedule guy currently, um, but you know, just to give you an idea of what our two hour and 30 minute block schedule looks like. If we start practice at four o'clock, we put the first 20 minutes uh, on 
dynamic stretching, and catch play. So that's kind of like a broad term for they've got a process, which is about seven minutes long, uh, that gets their body ready to go practice. Stretches them out good, gets the muscles warm, and then they've got a 30-minute catch play routine where they're getting their arms loose. Uh, They're working in some of the throwing drills that we do, um, like clock drills where you're kind of changing your arm slot and you throw from one, three, and five. Uh, You work some other things in. The whole purpose of that is like gets the body ready and the mind ready to go, go practice. All right. And we structure everything down to the, to the second. So we set alarm, like I'll set an alarm on my phone, um, you know, 355, 359, uh, 418. Like you set a bunch of them on your phone, like that way it, it's, it's giving me a, uh, okay, two minute warning. So 355, hey, five minute warning guys, let them know, hey, we're going to, you know, if we're starting at, at four o'clock, here's your five minute warning. Most days after like a week, they'll want to start early and that's, it, it's okay if you want to start early um, on something like stretching and all that, especially if it's a day where, you know, you want to try to get them, maybe you want to try to get them out, out a little bit early or whatever. You never change the timing that you, like the amount of time you, you spend on something, but you can be flexible when you start those things. What we don't want to do is get behind. So if I start five minutes early, I'm just going to shift my my clock for everything up five minutes. But we're not going to shift from the time that we spend on everything, if that makes sense. So if it's 20 minutes for dynamic stretching and catch play, um, it's 20 minutes. It doesn't mean we started at 3.55, so we'll go from 3.55 to 4.20 and add five minutes to it. That's not how it works. Um, So that's that. You know, the next part for us is we always break into 30 minutes of position, like position-specific stuff, right? So... Um, you know, this is going to be the time of practice from 422 to 452, uh, where I'm going to take my outfielders and we're going to go through outfield drills. Um, and those, again, back to the practice plan, when you make your practice plan, it should be specific to these things. So, you know, when it says 422 to 452 position group work, it should say outfield, bam, here's what we're doing. Catchers, here's what you're doing. Pitchers, here's what you're doing. Middle infield, here's what you're doing. Corner infield, here's what you're doing. I mean, it's got to be very specific, and uh, that thing should run very, very smoothly. Um, And that's important. You get a lot of really good reps in in these 30 minutes. I know for us, as outfield, um, as an outfield, those guys get a tremendous amount of work in those 30 minutes off of the machine. We work on footwork. You know, we work on all sorts of different things depending on what the day is and what we need to work on. But, you know, if anybody comes out and watches your practice for those 30 minutes, it's going to be the most crisp thing that they see. They're going to be like, Dak, um, them, them, them guys, like, get after it. They're really, really good. Um, but as a coach, it does require you to take some time and put some thought process. And you've got to have, you know, you got to spend time with your coaches, like, talking about, hey, you know, where, like, Coach Allison's over infielders for us. So, hey, where are we at infield-wise? What are we looking good at? What are we struggling with? Okay, here's what we're struggling with. Okay, well, why don't we spend some time doing this tomorrow or this next week or whatever? You know, Coach Bowie, what are we doing catching-wise? How are we looking there? You know, what's that position battle looking like? Um, You know, your coach has got to be bought in on that, and you've got to communicate on that as coach. So, Anyway, so your position group really should be tailored early season on building the fundamentals of how you want them to do things. And then as you progress through the season, you're going to allow what they do in game to dictate, okay, you know, we struggle on this. Um, We're pretty good on this. So, and you'll put a really big emphasis on your individual position group work on how we can build those things that we're not really great at while continuing to just make sure we touch and still feed the things we are really good at. Okay. Once we get done with position group at 452, we go straight into team defense. Um, team def- defense is going to be, you know, your things like, okay, today we might want to work uh, 21. We won't, might want to do 21 outs where we're going to work, you know, trying to lock it in for seven innings and, and be perfect. Today we might work first and third bunt coverages. Um or not first and third, we might work our first and third plays, or we might work bunt coverages, or might work double cuts, we might work, you know, whatever. Some aspect of team defense. 
um, or multiple aspects of team defense. Today we'll work pick moves, pickoffs, pick plays, um, whatever. Um, that's kind of obviously up to you as a coach on what you decide to do, but we do spend 20 minutes on that, fly ball communication, um, a lot of different things. You pressure defense, a lot of different things you can do there, but that's going to be team de- the team defense section of what we do. And, again, we follow this format every single day. So we talk about structure. This is how I believe we should structure practice. Um, some people do it differently, but that's just, for me, this works. And we do 20 minutes of that. So 5.16 to 5.19, we set up for BP. And one way, the reason we can get this done in three minutes is, and I probably should have prefaced this earlier, Give guys jobs and put it on put it on a sheet of paper and put it on a board in your dugout. Okay, yeah, and do a game day thing, do a practice practice day. Like, all right, Group A, your job is L screens. Group B, your job is baseballs. Group C, your job is roll cage. I mean, give them that structure, give them that task. Okay, so they know when we come off the field at five fifteen for team defense. Like I'm if I'm the if I'm the roll cage guy, I'm not even going to the dugout. I'm dropping my glove, I'm going to the left field corner, and me and my four guys are gonna go ahead and grab the roll cage. It'll take us a minute and a half to roll it up there, and then we're good. You know, the guy's getting the screens down. Okay, I'm responsible for the screen at first base. Okay, bam. Okay, I'm team defense gets done, I'm going straight to the screen, getting it up, and then they're gonna go to the third baseline and wait for us. All right, and then at five nineteen They're going to finish all that up, and we're going to say, all right, group one, you're going to the cage. Group two, you're going here. Group three, you're going here. Another thing, go ahead and put your groups out. Like, hey, early season, go ahead and put your groups together. Post that on the dugout board, too. You know, that's what we do. And have your groups specific for, like, okay, today is, um, you know, varsity-only groups. We're rolling with that because JV's got a game or today's JV and varsity groups. Mix your guys up. Like, I, I, it's important to have your JV guys and your varsity guys practicing together, I think. That's how we do our practices. Um, so be okay with having, like, your senior outfielder have a freshman outfielder in his group. Like, don't – this isn't the buddy show. This is like, okay, let me put my really good leader with somebody who needs some help from a leadership standpoint. Let me put my old – Let's don't just put all of our seniors in one group, you know, the next group of juniors and like, no, spread it out, make it position specific if you want to, and and make sure that you're giving guys exposure to guys they normally wouldn't do. But anyway, put that board up, put it, or put that list together, put it on the board, and then, you know, they'll just know, okay, today JV's got a game, so today we're working off varsity-only groups, and here's what those groups are. You got to do that ahead of time, though. So then from 520 to 605, it's just all BP. And um, you should have structure. I've talked about what our structure looks like as far as the BP rounds go. But, you know, we have a base running group every single day. Um, we've got group hitting in the cage every day. We've got a group hitting on the field every day. Uh, we got a group shagging every day. And we normally have another group doing some type of special teams exercise somewhere on the field, whether it's they're doing a bunt, uh, bunt circuit or they're doing um, – you know, wiffle balls or offset BP or something, something else is going on somewhere else. So, and we just rotate through those groups for 45 minutes. Once that's done, we do three minutes of BP cleanup. Again, we're able to get through that in three minutes because everybody knows what their job is. Okay. So if I'm in the cage and I'm the roll cage guy, um, as soon as you hear the coaches yell, clean it up, I'm sprinting up there jogging up there with some pace we're getting the stuff off the field and we're getting ready to go from 610 to 620 on our bunt circuit uh or base running circuit depending on what we're doing that day and then from 621 to 630 we do a static stretch and we talk to the players and we get them out there get them out of there um and that's kind of what our practice plan looks like and again that's that doesn't i talked about how that looks on a baseball team you know you could do the same thing for soccer tennis uh, football, whatever, um, whatever tickles your fancy on that. But that's what it looks like for us. Uh, we believe in the block schedule. We can get a lot done in two hours and 30 minutes. It mimics what we're asking of them in game. The focus 
and the structure of a of a seven inning baseball game is normally two hours and thirty minutes. So we train them every day to be locked in for two hours and thirty minutes, locked in on various tasks, uh, and celebrate completing those tasks. Those are all things that we're going to ask of them uh, come game time. And that's how we build better practice. That's how we build better practices. Um, would be interested to get some feedback from you guys on uh, what you think, things you agree with, things you disagree with, um, things that you guys do that we don't do. Um, it's all, you know, all good stuff. So, again, this isn't the only way. It's just the way we do things. Uh, and I'm always looking for ways to improve. So if you see something wrong with my plan, let me know. I want to hear about it. Always looking for ways, hey, maybe I should do it that way. So that's that. Um, just as a reminder, core principles have to have a game plan. You guys should know the plan and the why. Plan has to have structure and gives ownership over their development. Plan should challenge your players daily. And there has to be boundaries when something doesn't get executed. Okay, those are the five things we build our practice plans off of. Um, and that's that. So one hour. I almost got it in in less than an hour, but I'm looking at the time now. We're at one hour and one minute, so we're going to shut it down. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully for Building Better Leaders with Coach Bowie Olson. Um, help a guy out again. Like and subscribe. Share it with a friend. That's how you can help us. Just trying to get our voice out there. Um, trying to build these better athletes, build better coaches, and build better people. I think the more people that hear our stuff, um, the more people we can help. Um, you can help us liking, liking, liking and subscribing on YouTube. If you don't aren't a YouTube person, continue to listen on Apple uh, or or Spotify or whatever. <clears throat> I just appreciate you spending an hour of your week with us and and uh, helping us get our vision out there, get get the things out there that are important, and hopefully in some way it's impacting you positively. So. Uh, that's all I got. Until next time, be cool and go Titans. We'll see ya.